This is an ABC podcast. I love the nightlife. I, I got to, to. I don't even know why that was. I'm in this car. on. Hello, Zan. Hello, Miff. Nice to see you. Welcome back from the Goldie. Thank you. Thank Eurovision you. Australia Decides. Any goss? Oh, not, not really other than um, the after party was as um, disgraceful as expected. Well, I saw Joel putting out on Twitter, which is always a sign, <laughs> hey, where can we do kick-ons? And he was already getting his names on doors oh, and all kinds of best. stuff. What you a hustler. Everyone needs a friend like Joel because this is the thing, you know, there's there's a big event and we worked our asses off, all the artists worked their asses off. We don't just do that one show that's broadcast on SBS and it's huge. It's an entertainment centre. It's a huge production that goes for two and a half hours. We've done four of those shows before and they're two and a half hours before we get to the televised version in front of live audiences. Oh, right. I didn't so realise. we are... At the end of our tether in terms of like exhaustion <laughs> factor and everyone's – and you've still got to find a bit. Like it's it's like a marathon and you finally do the show and by the end of it and things just get loose <laughs> because everyone's – like the level of exhaustion and elation as well because it's, it was such a great show and Sheldon Riley will be such a magnificent winner. Shout-outs to Jaguar Jones too who I thought – was going to get through. Oh my god, as that well. performance and the skirt! I, on see, side see is what incredible. I told you. I said I told. I was wondering if that was the bit when you're like, said, you don't know if it's legal. <laughs> yeah, like, this has got to be the bit, right? The, the skirt caught on fire. Like it was, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. But yes, by the end of it, everyone is just getting loose. And I've had stories. I've heard stories about everybody just hanging out with everybody in all sorts of places. And you know, there's a in all sorts of ways. I'm there's sure there's a casino nearby which is open 24 hours, and there's all sorts of things going on. So um. Had an absolute ball. It looked amazing. You looked amazing in your beautiful frock and oh just God. lit up like the Gold Coast queen you are. Oh, thank you. Just thank so, so fun. Thank you. Well, I, I felt I had to put on the fake tan for the Gold Coast. You leaned in. Because it basically had like I've never seen so much rain in all of my life. Mm. And then I went on to Brisbane for a, a day or two after the Gold Coast and it was utterly relentless. I saw the river at its peak. Um it it's shocking. I, I can imagine how tr- traumatizing it must be for everybody there and experiencing it because I think the longer it goes on, and I think it's continuing as we record today. Yeah, the longer it goes on, the worse things are going to get. And I just send all my love and and strength to anybody who might be caught up in this situation. Um, it's oh, it, it's not really something I have any knowledge of that type of rain and how it can affect the land and how it can affect the homes and. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I just my heart just goes out to everybody. Yeah, the, the sheer scale of it is shocking mm. through southeast Queensland now as we record going through New South Wales. Um, it's, it's really full on. It's been a really full on week. You know, this time last week, Ukraine was on the verge of being invaded, but it hadn't happened yet. Think about all the things that have happened in the last seven days. It's, it's a really intense time. I know a lot of people are feeling very anxious I know a lot of people who are really directly affected by what's happening in Ukraine and with the floods and the east coast of Australia. So we we send our love to you. If you're listening today, I'm sure you've got better things to do, but today is a little reprieve mm. for you if you need half an hour of just 
us being completely silly duffers. Yeah. That's what our job is today. That's but right. But we are thinking of you. God, it's just um, it's just awful. Our first Eurovision, Joel and I's first Eurovision was in Kiev in Ukraine. Of course, yeah. And it, I just can't imagine what everyone there must be experiencing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's devastating, utterly devastating. We're going to make you smile today on Bang On. You bet though, yeah. Or pull your hair out. I've still got tales of, you know, (laughs) bad things I did over the weekend, but you know. Okay, good. Well, that's, you know, so reason to keep listening to Bang On today. I didn't do anything bad. You sent me the most amazing, frustrating and ridiculous video, American (laughs) Wheel of Fortune. We used to have Wheel of Fortune with baby John Burgess, of course. Oh, baby John Burgess, who has just come out of hospital. He had had quite a serious illness, I think, and, and... because Baby John Burgess is quite a thing on Twitter. He does a thank God it's Friday joke every yep. Friday. Yep. Follow him. The and ultimate the, dad joke. Yeah, and <laughs> follow him and the, and the comments are like, you know, TGIF king, everybody <laughs> loves him. And when he got sick, everyone got very worried. So, you know, it's it holds a, a special place in our heart. Absolutely. A huge legend. And it's not on Australian screens anymore, but it continues in America. And um, good Lord, this thing you shared, it's basically – the answer is there in front of us. Um, <laughs> Philip Lewis has tweeted, I've never wanted to scream this la- so loudly in my life. Now, what it looks like to me is another feather in your cap. There's four letters left and by God, they just can't <laughs> quite get there. Take a little listen to this. Well, I have another shot at it. You can spin the wheel or try to solve the puzzle. I'll solve. Okay. Another feather in your lap. No. Spin or solve. I will solve. Okay. Another feather in your map. So what letter would you like? A C. Is there a C up there anywhere? There you go. You want to solve this? Yeah, I'll solve. Another feather in your cap. Yeah, there you go. Two minutes, Miff. Two <laughs> minutes it takes them. People go bankrupt. People are kicked out of their turn. The woman who's trying to guess, I reckon she has, what, she has four shots at it. <laughs> what is Another feather in your map. In your bap. <laughs> I mean, that's either a roll or a boob. I'm not too sure, but there ain't no feathers there. <laughs> it's just remarkable. It's it's both the worst and best thing you'll see this week, and it is just ridiculous. Well, it just makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, I always think of that moment, and I know that it, you probably get drawn back to this too, when your mind went blank at the Nirvana question. Sometimes when... <laughs> You can't see the forest for the trees when it's right in front of you. Your mind just goes blank. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that was it. She had a lot of time to sort that out. (laughs) And it was only like there are not that many letters that are going to fit around that. (laughs) Oh. The other great thing online this week that brought a lot of joy to me was a restaurant review that everyone was sharing. Kirsty Bosley has written for the Birmingham Mail and it's a piece entitled I'm Common as Muck and Spent 150 Pounds in a Michelin star restaurant to see if it was worth it. And she's detailed a full review, blow by blow, of what looks like a tasting menu, a degustation, if you've ever done it. Um, It's one of the most joyful and funny pieces I've read in so long because I feel like 
you know, if you've been to a fine dining restaurant, we've all had that trep- trepidation. Well, we had we went a couple of weeks ago together and, and the experience is just extraordinary. It's like food theatre. But you yeah. can also settle in and spend a lot of money and have a really bad time and get some food that's really unappetising. And a lot of people kind of go, oh, it's tiny food on, you know, for lots of money. Like mm. it's little plates, little food. Um, and that's what she says, you know, a place that charges a lot of money for tiny plates of food. But she kind of comes from a perspective of um, someone who's grown up, what it sounds like, in a pretty working class background. She said, I've never grown up thinking of food as anything other than fuel to get through the day. I grew up on free school meals, chips and gravy for the most part. As an adult, celebratory meals are spent at Toby Carvery, where all you can eat roasters fill all of my requirements for sounds a happy good. time. <laughs> sounds like a good also meal. sounds fantastic. <laughs> She goes on to say that when she went to this restaurant in Birmingham, they made me feel like the most cherished person in the gaff. Two menus showing only the vegetarian food options. They'd noted it down when I called and made sure that I didn't even have to think about it or remind them, I never get that service in Nando's and I've been there a million times. <laughs> I, I think the headline of this article really gives gives um, an indication as to the, the sense of the class system, though, in England. Yeah. When you say I'm as common as muck, I mean, the, the, the differences between working class, middle class and, and, and the upper class are, are very distinct and they the differences are valued, uh, as in people make valued judgments on them. So mm. somebody like this author would not feel comfortable to go to this type of establishment in the first place and she went by herself too which is another thing like a lot of people find it really difficult to dine alone but she went on her own um she dressed up in what she calls her freddy krueger (laughs) t-shirt the black and red stripes thought she looked great and she had a bloody great time and uh, the thing that i love about this is you know i'm a big fan of food whenever i travel food is like the center of my adventures i really feel like you know food is the center of my life life yeah (laughs) I, i feel like i from when i wake up in the morning to when i go to sleep at night Look, I've got a job, I do other things, but food is really what I think about all totally. the time. Totally. And it doesn't have to be like fine dining, no. $300 <laughs> a meal, you know, things. Like when I went on long service leave to Mexico, um, Jeff was just on all these like food blogs on YouTube and oh, stuff. Finding and the he best just tacos. Yeah, and the like empanadas. A dollar tacos, but literally it was about discovery and connection and storytelling. And I feel like she just sort of, she saw that in this meal, you know, she, she saw how they'd gotten to this point of making these wild dishes um, and all the places that they visited, whether, you know, physically or through their research, and she got a real appreciation for it. Um, the way that she ends it is she sort of talks about how these were experiences, they were mm. knowledge and expertise presented in such a way that I could have flown if I wasn't anchored to the restaurant floor by a crisp table topped with stacks of cutlery. It was worth £150 easy. I walked out of there on a real true high. Never waste a meal. Experience everything that you can in all of life's glory. I truly believe this. The last two years where we've been restricted in so many ways, headed up against challenges, it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. It can be a delicious 10-buck pub special that everyone's been telling you about. Just do it all. I love this. Yeah. It brought me joy. It's pure joy. And also I think what what gave me joy too is – the staff were really delightful to her. You know, they were saying, go on, lick, lick it up with your bread. Lick the plate. Lick the plate, <laughs> mop it up with your bread. All that stuff, you know, you think these institutions are so stuffy. But think about the Michelin star system. It is it is very important in terms of getting restaurants out there and, and people understanding where the, the fine dining exists. But 
Michelin is a tyre company. Yeah, no, this is like when you redraw it back to the foundations. Like it's designed to get people to use tyres to drive to between drive restaurants. To restaurants um, hopefully not drink. Um, and and look, that, that, that system itself is flawed. I mean, Adam Liao, who is um, a, a wonderful chef, he has some really interesting ideas that you can look into. He, he quite, does quite a bit of it on Twitter about, mm. about the, 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 how the, the Europeanisation of the Michelin award system and how it devalues Asian foods because it's not considered classy enough or mm. whatever. So I think there are a lot of problems with this system, definitely. But um, I think if you can find a, a, a good one that's got good staff because, like, wait staff don't get paid that much. They're just like you and me, you know, um, in most places. Sometimes they're assholes, but mostly they're beautiful. And um, I, I think, you know, if you, if you get the opportunity to enjoy some joy like this, you will be made to feel special and you deserve to be made feel special. You're worth it. You are worth it, girl. Speaking of the girl. Oh. The girl boss. You sent me a very interesting article this week in The Guardian. I thought, thought it was timely because this term gets thrown out so much, you know, and it's... it's girl boss. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so commodified now. It, yeah. it feels like a product. Yeah. But I guess this article was, was talking about the, more, the, the origin story of the nature of the girl boss, um, a really interesting one in The Guardian, and it is Rhiannon Lucy Coslett, who is a regular writer for The Guardian, and she's got the decline of the girl boss, question mark, post-pandemic, she's more ubiquitous than ever, and talks about in the context of a book that came out in the 80s that I sadly haven't read and I feel like I should, Anne Dixon's A Woman in Your Own Right, which is a, a book about an, a very early book about assertiveness in the workplace in, in 1982 and they're re-releasing that. So she's looking back at it in the context of that and then brings the idea of girl boss culture into it, which is the latest iteration of assertiveness mm. in the workplace. And, you know, the girl bosses, I mean, you and I, babe, we're girl bosses. We just said before we started recording, you're a girl boss to each other and just like <laughs> high-fived. That was we how did. we start every week of bang We on. are the 21st, <laughs> 21st century working woman. Um, we, and then we said, yes, queen. Yeah. <laughs> and then we slapped each other in the face <laughs> and said, I never want to work with you again. And then he said, get out. <laughs> And bang on is over now. <laughs> oh, you did you post that meme that said, I want to hear a podcast? <laughs> you know, they always say pod, podcasters are best friends. I want to hear a podcast where they hate each other. Two bitches that absolutely <laughs> despise each other. Subscribe. <laughs> now that's girl, that's girl bossing, <laughs> I've got to say. Um, but yeah, the girl boss for now is, is, is a 21st century working woman whose success is defined in opposition to the masculine business world in which she swims upstream. So the, all the difficulties that you've faced in your workplace because of the structures that are in place, uh, quite often the girl boss works outside of that. So in, in places like Instagram, on social media, mm. where, they've, uh, uh, where they've not normally been let in into, say, the mainstream media channels and they've done incredibly well through that. However... Um, she also the, also, the author also goes on to say that the girl boss is essentially a power suited working girl for the Instagram era, um, pink washed, hyper capitalist career queen who leans in. Now, we all know about leaning in, Sheryl Sandberg, who wrote the book about leaning in, which was essentially about making your presence known amongst men, but also kind of forgiving a fair bit of behaviours here and there yeah. as well, um, uh, in order to not get kind of caught up in that. Um, but what she's essentially saying, in this article is that, that while the girl boss is great and it is empowering for some people, let's not deny that for, for a lot of people, that, that concept has been empowering, especially for women of colour, um, uh, people with disabilities, 
that idea of being able to actually have a successful career outside of pla- the the normal routes, i.e., places where they're not normally invited to the table, mm. um, then it can work. But essentially, she's she's kind of implying that for the rest of us, the girl boss is just the same old shit without dealing with any of the structural problems well, that it's, exist. Yeah, I mean, the the point that she makes, which really hit home for me, was it's like we're having to work on our inner selves, train ourselves to be more assertive, to stand up instead of working on the structural problems mm. that keep sexist structures in, in place, keep inequality in place. And mm. obviously, as we talk about whenever we talk about this stuff, that's a lot harder. But why do women keep on having to do the work? And as we've said before, right. we're really tired. I've done a lot of work on this. <laughs> I, and look, I'm quite actually quite enjoying it because I needed to. But you know, there's only so much you can do too before you start to go. Come on, fucking lift your game over there. And also, if we keep on having to do the work, <laughs> then fair? the systems don't change because it's always looking inward. Like, how do we, um, you know, all of this stuff feeds into everything else. They don't exist in isolation. So addressing it as though you can exist outside of a structure is it works for the time. But ultimately what you would hope for and what actually works better in, you know, in businesses all over the world as they've proved is if you actually change the structure, Mm. then everyone benefits financially um, in terms of, you know, work culture, all of it gets better. So... Of course it will because if 51% of the population have more of an input into how the world runs, then certainly it's going to work better and more effectively. For more people. And that's what this sense. kind of whole thing is about, isn't it? It's like instead of having working on changing yourself. Mm, and getting better. And within this, you know, capitalist, corporate, sexist reality, um, transform that reality. And I think that is happening in, in yeah. parts, but this idea of the girl boss, as you say, suggests that you have to step outside of that in order to succeed. And um, that kind of gets me down a little bit. Totally. It totally. kind of gets me down a little bit. It's a really good piece. I'm so glad that you shared it because sometimes I think about that sort of stuff and it is so nuanced and you don't want to sort of take it down. Mm. But you see when these little advances that we get um, in this very long road to equality, uh, when they actually cause other things not to change, you've got to call them out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this author has really called them out. I just, I thought that was fantastic. The final line in the article, and I mean, I don't want to give it away, but it's perfect. She's written, how much more are we expected to work on ourselves? Yep, exactly. Perhaps it's time to turn to these girl bosses and tell them, no, that's not my job. It's not my job. Hey, before we get into Bang On, I wanted to open up the bang box. Mm. Got another great email from Hudson uh, relating to the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, what, we're still getting mail on that? Yes, and that is why That's I love great. the bang fan. That is great. Sub- <laughs> subject line from Hudson, <laughs> Mary J. Blige is in the walls. <laughs> now, what, if, if you've just... Maybe this is your first episode you've listened to Bang On. We we discussed the Super Bowl and, and Zan so rightly pointed out, you know, the staging is incredible but there's nowhere for the artists to go when they're not on screen. So where do they go? What, what walls are they hiding in? Where, well, yeah, where exactly. Are they, where are they hiding? And, of course, you were looking for them and I apparently for them. a million other people were too. Eminem was in the doorway as we found out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Hudson writes, hey, Miff and Zan, hope you're well. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good. Thanks. I found where Mary J. Blige was hiding during the Super Bowl. It was in the walls. 
And then Hudson. Do you think it was a wall cavity though? Well, or? yeah. Hudson's shared this amazing video, which is basically a um, behind the scenes of how the set was built. And you know the club scene where there was 50 Cent hanging like a bat in the club yeah, yeah. and there was all the dancers around. There was all these video panels around them. Those panels all opened as doors and the dancers could both get out that way but also Mary J Blige was sitting in a wall cavity and they had a little chair for her to sit down, a glass of water to rest until she was ready to come back for her bit. Oh, I love it. Just a little wall cavity for Mary J Blige to hang out in until she's ready to shine. Yeah, imagine, you know, Mary, this is this is your part of the stage. You're on the roof over <laughs> here. You're doing all your hits and then here's your little zone when you're off stage. Here's a and cavity for you to hide in. <laughs> It'd be at that point you'd be going, how much are they paying you for this? Is it really worth it? And it's just gone up by a million. Is it really worth it? And, yeah, they need me. I'm charging more. Thank you, Hudson. It was a really great video, actually. I got a lot out of that. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Um, Hudson also had a question. Hey, Zan, are you the woman at the very start of every ABC podcast saying this is an ABC podcast? I'm not. Who is it You think I am. I thought it was you. I thought you knew me. No, it's the wonderful Gemma Pike who is ah. a former Triple J broadcaster and you might know her voice from the host of Inside the Big Day Out, another brilliant podcast about the history of the Big Day Out. That's Jem's voice. And Jem doesn't work at the ABC anymore, but I love that her legacy lives on. This is an ABC podcast. <laughs> Feel free to use that in whatever podcast you use. Oh, no, you can't. It's illegal because yeah. it's not an ABC podcast. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hudson. Um, also, before we bang on, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who's going to be experiencing and celebrating Mardi Gras this weekend. Again, a little light in a tough time. It's going to be happening in Sydney, but of course, broadcast everywhere on ABC TV and for the first time on Triple J, I Abby and Tyrone. That. I'm so excited to hear them bring it um, from 7.30 on Saturday night. So... I've been to Mardi Gras many times. I used to live in the neighborhood in Darlinghurst yes, and it was like gay Christmas every year, the best time of the year. I feel like this is when we need glitter and community and celebration and love and Mardi Gras is going to deliver that this yeah. weekend. Yeah. So happy gay Christmas, happy queer Christmas to every single member of the community, to allies, to everyone who is celebrating Mardi Gras this weekend. Yep. Brilliant. What are you banging on about? I am banging on about something I've already banged on about a long time ago. Lazy. I know. <laughs> no, but it's a new series. Stop it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I love Rose Matafeo and Starstruck was, I thought, a gorgeous piece of television. Oh, my television God. We both like just watched Hoovered That Up in like a night when it dropped on iview. It was heaven, absolutely heaven. I think at the time I said something creepy like it. I could watch her sleep. She's so – she's so. Yeah, that sounds about make, right. It's not right, but – She's so magnetic on screen. She, I, I just, I think she's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And this story about falling in love with a, 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 f- a film star, she's a nobody and I love that she's like just so absolutely nobody. And uh, and he is obviously quite wealthy, very famous. Yeah. Um, and they seem to get along like a house on fire, which is really nice. Um, and I've liked in, uh, now I'm going to pre- preface this with the fact that I thought I saw the first episode last night, but it's been, there's two more before. There's a third episode. <laughs> 
Anyway, the, uh, look, I just love the first series, so I'm banging on about watching the second series, please. But From I, episode three. Yeah, but I checked in last night and thought, oh, it's a bit odd. They've sort of just, I know she went to New Zealand or she was going or did she go? I don't know. She's just at a party at his place on New Year and mm-hmm. they're not really connecting. But I loved it regardless. Um so I just thought I'd bang on about it. But you've subsequently told me that I might have missed two episodes. Well, yes. I watched the first two episodes because it, it is all available on iView. Like, you know, everyone's doing right now just a big series dump. But mm. it's on right after Mad as Hell on Wednesday nights too. And I've watched the last two episodes. I didn't watch it last night. Well, it was really good. So that's why I'm hanging on about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back because i got to say the first two episodes I've been a bit frustrated by because if you haven't watched it yet um, – Basically, the series one cliffhanger was she's about to go to New Zealand and then they sort of turn to each other in the back of the big double-decker red bus and start kissing. So it's mm. kind of like, okay, maybe she's not going to go to New Zealand. Yeah. So the series two starts with her not going, getting off the bus, missing her flight. Right. And then they're well, trying to – I'm glad to... you covered that because I was, kind of, <laughs> I was kind of angling for that last night when I was watching it. Yeah, no, she never went to New Zealand. But they also kind of feels like that whole tension of the first series of will they or won't they, how are they going to work it out, it's almost repeating. But the fact that they did get together and now they've taken a step back and they're still being awkward, I just, I'm finding it frustrating. Okay. Um, and I'm kind of like, guys, just like you like each other, just just be direct and they 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 use humor to kind of avoid talking about their feelings and i totally get this is me speaking as a 40 something year old woman about people who are in their late 20s early 30s and it's a totally different emotional maturity maybe that I'm speaking to but it just it, it's frustrating I me. know but where would the drama be what you just want to shack well that's up. the thing isn't it? it's like you have to have <laughs> shack, that shack up and start hating each other that's essentially what it is. you you have to have the unrequited love and otherwise it gets boring so um yeah, yeah. and shacking will up it... and hating each other ain't fun <laughs> will it succeed I don't know well, but I will go back if you said that episode three, three was good cute I just see yeah, I've been finding it stressful to watch okay. and I don't need stress right now. All right. So, well, okay. Great bang on though. I love that you've come in at episode three and just made up your own narrative. Good for I you. I thought it was the first because she, <laughs> she knocked on the door and it was a New Year party and I went, oh, maybe she, she went and she came back. Yeah. And, no, Christmas yeah. came before that as well. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, what are you banging on about? <laughs> I'm banging on about someone who I'm, I'm sure that I've banged on about before because I'm such a fan of his work. John Ronson, the yes. Welsh journalist, writer, So you've been publicly shamed, John Ronson. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Actually, the first time I ever heard him and specifically his voice because he has such a beautiful Welsh accent and voice. A bit like um, mine. Exactly. My fun way. It's my fun way if you really <laughs> Mavonwe? Mavonwe. 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 You say th is a v. Mavonwe. I don't know. I'm not Welsh. <laughs> you sounded a bit Irish then. Did I? No, I did. Oh. Mavonwe. Fiddly dear potatoes. <laughs> just back on Joel, I love that he just goes full the opposite direction whenever he speaks, says your name on your vision. Mavonwe. Mavonwe. Little bogan. I love him so much. Like, can I just say, as an aside, getting to work with someone that you feel so completely safe with, and I'm sure you do with Charlie as well. When and you with you. Year, and with you in the New Year broadcast. Like, when you find someone you can work with like that, yeah. who you just have 100% confidence they've got your back if something goes wrong. Yeah. It's it's one of the most joyful things. Live in TV the world. is intense. Having a partner like that makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah. It makes it fun, not terrifying. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, and when it's fun, the audience enjoy it. But yeah, 
we're lucky. We're very lucky. We are lucky. All right, Mavonway. So get onto your bang on. Sorry, John Ronson. I'm all about first the heard him. Today. No, I love it. Tangents. Yeah, I first heard him on This American Life, um, doing a story, and I instantly fell in love with his voice and also the way that he shared stories and whose stories he shared. He's always had a way of finding really interesting stories in the world and making sense of the world. So. Yeah, he did So You've Been Publicly Shamed. He's also recently produced really brilliant podcasts on the internet porn industry, um, The Death of a Porn Actress, and his new podcast, which has just become available everywhere after being a BBC4 exclusive, is on The Culture Wars. So if you don't know what... Oh, God, I'm... No, 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 you will like this because it's like it's... He doesn't get involved in the culture wars. Okay. He's very careful at not lobbing in and taking sides. But it's about that. If you don't know what culture wars are, I'm pretty sure you do, but it's basically, you know, this battle for dominance between conflicting values. And there's pretty much the centre of that is inter- internet culture. That's how the, the culture wars have been able to really take off. So he kind of traces the beginnings of a few different culture wars and he sees how these like seemingly small decisions and sometimes... Um, unintentional decisions by the people who started them cause massive ripple effects years later and then the people that did cause them had completely lose control of, of the narrative. He looks at abortion, how it changed from being something that was very much of concern to Catholics to something that the Pentecostal Christians took on board, which they previously didn't. Uh, the conspiracies around the Illuminati and pedophilia and children being hidden in walls and basements, all that Pizzagate stuff, the QAnon stuff, all of that. Um, Cancel culture in the very early days of the internet, like the 90s. And also TERFs, where that term came from, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. There's a handful more episodes. I listened to the whole series over last weekend. That sounds amazing. It is so good and really interesting and also kind of devastating because you're like, this person just did something and in some cases they do it because it's just a way to make money or will advance their career and they just mm. have no sense of how it will just the catch and how much damage it will do and that's devastating. And they don't care. Well, some of them do care. Some of them have become advocates on the other side of it but they ju- they're the ones who started it. And sure, if they hadn't, someone else would have. There's always that argument mm. but it is fascinating to peel back okay. the layers. It's called Things Fell Apart. I'll put a link in the show notes. Sounds like my life. It's so good. <laughs> you're fine. You're good. Remember, you're good. You've got nothing to talk to your psychologist about. No, that's right. You're good. I did say that, didn't you're I? You're fixed. I went, yeah. I I'm fixed, fixed it. I fixed it. It's been a long time coming, but I fixed it. <laughs> oh, no, man. I didn't really. It's an ongoing project, as it is for everybody. Life. Oh, oh life. Oh, what is it? Something, something, a piece do, of toast. Do, do. Yeah, there's toast in there. <laughs> See? Never waste a meal. It all comes back to all never wasting a meal. To toast yum. is also a great meal. How do you have your Vegemite? Um, scant, mm. but not barren. Do you know my nine dots? I've told you my nine dots. Yeah, you told me your nine dots. Yeah, if anyone doesn't know. It's not a card game. It is a card game. <laughs> yes, it is. Nine dots and that's perfect. I'll see you next week. Yeah, I'll bring see you a toast. See you nine dot warhurst. <laughs> that's what Lindsay used to call me. <laughs> when I worked at Triple J, used to call me nine dots. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Love you. Bang. 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 Bang.
You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.